featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John, or as he is known around the kink and fetish community, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. Today, we get to travel to one of my favorite places, the Pacific Northwest, to meet a professional dominatrix who is wickedly pretty and devilishly smart. Natasha Strange has been playing professionally for 25 years, specializing in creative, sadistic escapism. When not tormenting her adoring submissives, she is a BDSM coach and a kink educator, helping destigmatize non-standard sexual desires. She's been quoted in Playboy and Business Insider about her expertise in the art of kink, and is the owner of Sub Rosa, an amazing dungeon just outside of Portland, Oregon. Princessa Natasha Strange on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five, and it starts now. First time you ever changed your hair color to something that wasn't natural. I did it back in the like early 90s a little bit mm-hmm. when you had to. Now, before that. Okay, <laughs> figured it out. I had just, it was 1995. Um, I had just... See, it's just always. Um, I had just started working as a pro and I decided that I was going to bleach my black hair. I had had some drinks with a friend and um, we didn't do a very good job of it. And though then we decided that we would just trim off the ends and I held her drink, drinking mine while she, you know, and um, ended up shaving my head because my hair ended up being just so incredibly damaged from this uh, adventure. Uh, Mm. Because my hair changed natural colors all the time. Red, blonde, black, blonde. Don't recommend the black to blonde. Um, And so after I shaved my head, I just started wearing a wig when I was working. Um, and, uh, underneath I was doing all kinds of things. And one of the first things that I did was grew it out a little bit and bleached it and then stamped cheetah print design on it. And somewhere the photos didn't turn out well. Um, I shot with, uh, Charles Gatewood back in the day, um, and we just, uh, the person I was going to shoot with was running late and we lost the light. So, uh, cause he was shooting with film and natural light. Um, so somewhere there's actually pictures of that. I hadn't thought of that in ages, absolutely ages. So, and from there just, you know, 
always. But this recent, it started with a stripe about 10 years ago. A little pink stripe got wider. Oh. First time that you stepped into your own dungeon and your emotions doing it for the first time for a session? A lot of exhaustion mm. <laughs> and excitement because running your own dungeon is uh, a lot of learning how to refinish furniture and learning how to do a lot of things. And uh, then you are in a space where you're not still not acclimated um, so there was a lot of excitement, but also a lot of just realistically exhaustion. It was also surreal because I had been, you know, I'd been a pro for over 20 years before I actually opened my own space. First time you had an inkling in your life that you were going to become a pro. <laughs> Oh my God. I was like in the second or third grade. And I realized that if you kick the boys in the nuts, they would leave you alone. Cause really I was a nerdy little kid. I just wanted to read. Um, but then I decided that I liked kicking the boys better and they were always game. Um, I always wanted to be infamous. I didn't exactly know the difference between famous and infamous, but I sort of thought that infamous meant you had more privacy and, you were able to do things that famous people had expectations and infamous people could control their lives. And I don't know why when I was so young that I had this, but yeah, very young, um, very young. The first image that you ever saw of yourself that made you believe you were infamous. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it was the photo, uh, Bob Adler in the nineties took a lot of photos for people in the Bay area. Uh, he worked for the magazine called the spectator and the spectator was our local sex rag. It was before the internet. So mm -hmm. like that was where you found all the people. Uh, and he shot me for that. Um, and for a, a San Francisco Examiner article, it ended up on like not only on the front cover of the spectator, uh, spectator, but it ended up on the front cover in up in the corner, the little like what's happening corner. That was my picture. And it was there uh, the like day that I graduated, like the week that I graduated college. So all my family's in town and we're walking around and on every corner there's a newspaper with my picture in it. And uh, yeah, that was very early in my career. I did not have my feet underneath me as a pro dom, but I definitely felt like I had reached some state of infamy. <laughs> on your website, it says willful slaves conquered macho men sissified, novices educated, aspiring femdoms mentored, angry hearts tamed, lost souls found. First time you ever found a lost soul. Oh my goodness. Um, so many people come to prose feeling like they're broken. Um, especially when I first started and 
there wasn't the internet to go connect with all these people. It wasn't easy to find munches. It wasn't easy to, to, you know, you just were alone. Um, and so I remember seeing somebody at fantasy makers, uh, ages and ages ago, like maybe the first, definitely the first year I was working as a pro. And, um, I think I was the second person at Fantasy Makers to see him. He just wanted to over the knee spanking. And he was so incredibly ashamed and scared. And just, he was shaking. He was like frail. He wouldn't take his pants down. I did talk him into taking his wallet out of his back pocket. <laughs> um, And he climbed over my lap and like, I just, you know, we had fun. It was laughing and play. It was play. And I, you know, and all of the women at Fantasy Makers, all of the femmes uh, helped normalize spanking. And I felt very much because I was one of the first people that saw him and one of the first people that really got to know him. Um, you know, like I helped him find himself because he went on to become a fixture of the scene. There was no scene, no play parties, no nothing that Spanky Mike wasn't at. And it was just so amazing to watch this person blossom from this like, like just visually frail, shaking, not even taking his pants off, not like able to make eye contact even to just being the poster child for spanking <laughs> it was amazing and it's happened many many times since then we've just begun to find out about natasha strange one of the co-owners of sub rosa where she is right now and we're going to find out why she's wickedly pretty and devilishly smart when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want in just a moment We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. The Heart of the Dominatrix, Portraits and Interviews of Exceptional Mistresses. This book is about female domination. This book is about dark corners, both physically and psychologically. This book is for you, whether you're a beginner or have decades of experience with BDSM. If you're eager to learn more about power exchange dynamics or are simply interested in relationships and the aesthetics of this world. This book will change your perspectives. Be warned. Visit heartofthedominatrix.com to order your copy today. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor and thriver, 
Power Exchange and Polyamory. Submissive versus Wife. The Practical Contract Guide. Relationship short Shorthand. As well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to the program. Honored to be joined by Portland dominatrix and BDSM educator, Princessa Natasha Strange. You mentioned the Bay Area when we first started. When did you head up to Portland? Uh, 2016. Wow. Is Portland the kind of city that fits your personality pretty well? Oh, yes. It is creative and queer, and there's so much good food. Uh, there's so many fun kinksters. There's munches pretty every, pretty much every night of the week. Um, it is, I think, has the most, like, FetLife users per capita. Um, it's a It's a kinky fun town kinky fun delicious town <laughs> having lived 20 years in seattle but all those times married to a vanilla spouse i wish i'd headed south <laughs> <laughs> except not for soccer but we won't talk about that being the sounders fan that i am but that may get me in trouble later <laughs> maybe hmm I said, maybe. I'm maybe. not totally into sports ball, so <laughs> my sports ball is kicking balls. And you are into your favorite things of bondage, electrical play, mind fucks, and emasculation. I want to talk about bondage first. Okay. Bondage to me has this very harsh tone to bondage, but when it gets down to it, it can become the most beautiful thing that can happen to someone because it puts them in a safe space much of the time. When you apply restraint or bondage to someone, what is your thought process? What do you want to bring to them? Um, my goal is always to put people in a safe place so I can make them feel unsafe. Um, Bondage is a, uh, I call it the, the butter of the bedroom. Um, I do uh, the butter of the, the dungeon. Um, I do a lot of education about bondage and in fact, teach a class that is uh, based on the equipment in Sabrosa and how to tie people up in here. Um, I actually don't use a lot of rope. My rope bondage is very ugly and very, very effective. Um, I use a lot of leather restraints. I definitely enjoy things like saran wrap and the equipment in here, which is top-notch. Love it. Uh, 
I love body bags. I love, um, in fact, spandex body bags. Hmm. Um, and saran wrap is so fun, but really it boils down to what are the goals of like, what are the mental needs of the submissive that I'm playing with? You know, do they need to feel exposed? Do they need to feel precarious? Do they need to feel cocooned? Because, you know, bondage can be very, very different depending on how you're restrained. If you're spread eagle and exposed, that's very different from being mummified in a bag um, where you're feeling very protected and cocooned. And, you know, so it really depends. Do you find people who really enjoy bondage are the ones that are, seek control so much of the time and are forced to lose it? Hmm. I'm going to say no. And that's because I really absolutely hate stereotypes. I mm. think we'll come to bondage from, for all sorts of reasons. And sometimes bondage is the end all be all of the session. Um, and sometimes bondage is just part of it. Like, do you want to be bound and hypnotized and like put under with, you know, the Nova pro um, and just left or, you know, and I do occasionally do that. I have like a fun, like I like to do multi layers of bondage and then top it off with like a weighted blanket and like the flashing Nova pro lights and just let you disappear into the ether. Um, but often like, my bondage is about restraining somebody, whether it's, you know, part of a cross-dressing scene. Um, I see a lot of adult babies, uh, diaper fetishes um, more than anything. And uh, so it can be fun to like, restrain their ankles to their thighs in a way with like saran wrap, or I actually have uh, special pretty, turquoise wrap that I do, um, which forces them into that diaper position. So when they're laying on the back, they're not restrained to anything. It's a very simple restraint, but it, it mentally plays with that feeling of, of, you know, being in a big diaper and like having that diaper exposed and, you know, it's, the bondage is just all over the place and it really depends so much so. as to bondage you talked about the layering effect mm -hmm. is there ever such a thing as too much bondage or what is the most bondage you've ever put someone in have you ever thought about that um most of like I do do layered bondage occasionally, but most of my bondage is just well placed single point. You know, one of the things that I love to do is when I'm inspecting somebody, there's a bondage wall behind me. And I like to, you know, it's um it's sort of like a St. Andrew's cross, but much more um you know, different body types and different styles of bondage work much better with it than a St. Andrew's cross. And so like, that's a two point bondage, you know, both hands, their feet are free, like every, you know, but I love to then slide between them and the wall and tell them, I didn't tell you, you could touch me. And then, but they're chained and they can't really go far. And so I can tease them and like, 
torment them. So it's not always about how much bondage in any bondage situation. It's about what else is going on. You know, is there something that you're trying to get away from something that you're trying to get to? So if that makes sense, that but if you're going to talk about layered bondage, um, I have these little footies. They're mainly for adult babies to make sure they don't walk, but they can be really fun. Uh, you put them on and they lock on and they've got little spikes in the bottom. And then you can go inside a nice uh, spandex body bag. I have a leather one, but like I find that like in a pro dungeon, the spandex suits my purpose so much better. As much of a leather fetish as, as I am, like I would love to have everything in leather, but like it's just, yeah. So, <laughs> and then the this body bag, it has, you know, leg sleeves down each leg. So they're like, restrained in that they've got their arms crossed um then the body bag is tied to the bondage table and already you've got two layers of bondage because they know that even if they could get up and out of the body bag and out from underneath the ropes where would they go they can't really walk um, i also have mitts that i put on as well so that they don't have spikes in them but they still lock on and they're big and puffy and they can't really do anything um and then just layering it from there i like to use like heavy chain across to like make them feel the weight and that's when i like to add in like the weighted blanket just because it's the nice like all overweight that is very calming when you're in a layered bondage situation like that um and then to top it all off i like to crawl on top and lay on them so it can be uh, all kinds of layers. I know of doms that have the most amazing athletic ability, <laughs> especially in their agility and such. Uh, Queen P comes to mind out of uh, Minneapolis, who basically does gymnastics because she's all of five foot one or five foot two and loves when big people come in, uses them as a jungle gym. Yeah. What is the joy of the body to body manipulation that you can do? Are you a strong person? Do you like to use your brute force or is it basically one of i'm not going to call it seduction but just massive sensation body to body um i am definitely not a brute force person i am not even a demanding person hmm. i am all about the seduction the mind games the mental seduction and the physical um i like people offering their mind and body to me. I like teasing with sensation, be it painful or pleasurable. Of course, a mix of the both is always preferable. Um, I'm definitely not a, uh, I'm not a gymnast. Um, <laughs> I like to refer to myself actually, you know, the, the angler fish. Okay deep ocean fish and it is uh 
basically has this little light that it hangs over. And the other fish are like, ooh, what's this pretty little light? That's my cleavage. <laughs> and then by the time they're close enough to see the cleavage, they don't realize there's this big hungry mouth behind it. <laughs> that laugh, I want is my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about mind fucks and the manipulation of the mind and the beautiful connection that two people can have when it comes to that. From a starting point in a scene, how do you know you can get in there and once you see that opening, take advantage of it in the most wonderful and sensational ways? Um, mind fuckery. Oh, God, that's such a big... Um a big topic um part of it is listening mind fuckery like really mind fuckery and any me mental manipulation it takes time to get to know each other and the more open and more communicative we are with each other the quickly more quickly that time will you know add up to the time because there is no like it takes four hours to get to know you um, it really is about open communication and some people it's easy uh, as soon as I know the smallest details because the thing is like I think that a lot of people see mindfuckery as edge play you know like it's it's gross out play it's like sharps and needles and it's things that are like over the top like shocking Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not all jump scares. Um, mindfuckery is basically making your submissive feel mentally off kilter. So I like to talk about how a lot of femmes are very good at mindfuckery when they want to embrace it because we are mindfuckery bottoms in the real world. We are gaslight. We are like just completely and utterly just, you know, constantly told by the patriarchy that we can't do things that we can that we have to do things that we don't have to do like it's uh, anyway whole nother rant whole nother rant whole nother show um so a lot of the mind factory starts small it starts with flirting and you know a little mental bullying and um it grows from there and in with any scene it's about and any playtime, it's about finding those boundaries, right? It's about negotiating those boundaries. It's about knowing your person. And the way that I like to put it is with any play, you're negotiating, you're, you're creating an arena that you're going to play in. And where the top lands in that arena, you know, defines the play. So not everybody thinks of things the same way even when I play with people you know other tops will come into scenes like completely different using the same manipulation it's it's like this is art it is creating you know living breathing art you have to like listen to what the other person wants and what their limits are and like think outside the box with mindfuckery 
to see how you were going to get them mentally off kilter. Yeah. I love the term, the arena you're going to play in. Not because I'm a sports ball fan or because I worked in sports for so many years, but the idea of the space with in which you're going to play as opposed to a journey with certain steps. On arena, there's a 360 degree view of what you can do all yeah. around you. Mm-hmm. as opposed to the linear way. And I've talked about this on the show more times than I care to remember, as opposed to the linear way, most men think. Yeah. They get their suggestion or their problem and they move straight forward. Whereas women love this 360 degree view of things and where the journey can go. I especially love it because I think that when I first started, I really tried to plan out what I was going to do. And then what happens is if like things don't go according to plan, I would find myself spending time trying to make them go to plan. Um, And over the years, it just became so much easier for me to just do what the voices in my head tell me to do. Um, because, and that's why like negotiating and and thinking of it as an arena, because I can land in that arena and make you think we're going, you know, north and suddenly we're going east and everything's different. And I think all of my sessions probably have a little bit of mindfuckery in them. (laughs) Where do these voices come from? What was their genesis? Um, I don't know. They speak to me in the shower in the morning a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I think any creative like has like you just you get ideas, and you think that you know you're gonna do one thing, and then you start getting things, you know, gathering your tools, your art, and putting it together, and all of a sudden you're like actually what if we did this instead so i don't know where it comes from and that's why i'm getting ready to teach a mindfuckery class uh i've taught one online and i'm getting ready to like more fluff out that uh that class and it's it's so hard because i just do it Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense and i've just done it for a long time it's like sitting and trying to like right out the steps to riding a bicycle you're like well you get on and you pedal and uh you balance and go and so have you ever taken any improv i have not i <laughs> i have not um i uh did do i i've you know, I, I teach and I I think that's always improv because no matter how much you know, you get up there to teach and you say, are there any questions? And then people are like, yes, how about? And you're like, well, that's a great question as your brain is like, 
trying to formulate like the best way to answer that question. Um, because I've I've also in 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 addition to hands on kink, I've also you know I spoke about like the history of sex work and you know those kinds of things where it's just like so open ended. You're just like, well, yeah, get back to me on that. Um, but no actual comedic improv on purpose. Although people do tend to laugh at my classes. Well, you are a very wonderful personality just in the way that you go all in with every thought. And I've been, <laughs> I've just seen that in this half hour we've spent together so far. Oh. Bring your fantasies, but be prepared to submit to my will, mind, body, soul, and whole. People will come into your dungeon mm -hmm. with things in mind. But those who come in with an open mind, mm -hmm. I would think would always get the most wonderful experience. How do you convince clients that are thinking, I need a fetish dispenser? into understanding that if they opened up that mind, so many different possibilities can happen. Um, so that whole little statement is um, basically me saying I don't do scripts. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing this for a long time. So thankfully, most people who come to see me are coming to see me um, because of who I am and the experience that I have. Mm -hmm. And so it can be very, um, usually it's when we're negotiating via email, um, when they're getting too into the details, I just remind them that I have a lot of experience, I have a lot of toys, and I would like to have my way with them. <laughs> um and uh most of the time if somebody's really stuck on a certain script it's just i know that it's not a match mm -hmm. um you know there's just certain people that have certain scripts and and um sometimes it's about reliving something that happened in their past and reclaiming that and that kind of thing that I, I do. I do enjoy those kinds of scripts mm -hmm. because that's still an open-ended. We're going to relive this situation, but we're going to have it end a different way, a more satisfying, you know, way that where you can reclaim, you know, your body, reclaim your life, reclaim that part of yourself that you lost in, you know, whatever, uh, violent or emotionally turbulent time you went through. Um, those kinds of scripts I definitely work with, but that also involves a lot more conversation about interests and limits and like what, you know, happened. And so but there's still like some play there, right? Because it's not just, I saw this porn mm -hmm. this one time, and and she did this and then she did this and then he did this and then she did this could, could we do that 
oh god no um <laughs> i'm sorry and you know there are plenty of people who are fine with that but i'm not one of them and thankfully at this point in my career you know for 25 years in i don't have to take those kinds of sessions anymore was there ever any time in the 25 years where you said either okay i've done it all or there was a time when you went I don't know how much more I can do, or has it just been constantly growing? It's both of those, all three of those, all three. Um, I mean, I retired when I had my daughter and was just going to do coaching and be a stay-at-home mom kind of thing. Um, I started doing education, and uh, I still always saw certain clients, Um and, you know, for a couple of years when I was first, because I was in college when I started and then I was like, well, actually, I don't know what I'm going to do with this business degree because I sort of hate working in business situations um, where I kept thinking that I would find what it was I was going to do when I grew up. Um, apparently, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up <laughs> I moved to Portland. And when uh, Mistress Viola approached me about starting an education space and then we started putting the space together and I was like, there ain't no way I'm just going to do education in that space. Like we're building my dream dungeon. There's no way that I'm not going to play in that dungeon. And I just don't know what else to do. Like, I don't like I play with kinksters. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. No. You say that BDSM is about breaking rules and creating our own etiquette. It's about play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do we forget the fact that playing was the most important part of our childhood? And why do we give it up as adults? I think that we do forget. Um I hate going to, um, and not to rag on male tops too much, but <laughs> I hate going to fetish parties and seeing these guys in like utilicilts and just, oh, I can top any woman. Um, they usually are, you know, there's no play. There's no sense of adventure. There's just, uh, Anyway, I'm um... actually keep going. Um, <laughs> I really because I'm going to follow up if you don't. Um, I see so many new people who are kinky who walk into that situation and are like, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but like. I don't know like how there's so much etiquette and there's so many rules and I don't understand them. Um, and that's where I talk about how people, you know, like we create our own rules, our own etiquette. I also work with a lot of couples. I especially work with couples who are, you know, in their forties or fifties and their kids just went off to college and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, didn't we used to do that sex stuff? Didn't we have like did that one time with the bondage thing? And uh, some of those couples may have just spent several years quarantined together and had a lot of time to talk about things. And uh, so I work with a lot of couples and I do so much talking about 
it's about creating your own rules. Like what works for you? What doesn't work for you? Do you want it to be 24 seven? Cause it doesn't like just, you know, a slave contract. Let's talk about a slave contract. That doesn't have to be like the end all be all that. It's not like you sign that and that's the end. Is a slave contract for the night, for the weekend, for the week? When are we going to reevaluate it? Like you're making all of your rules like that. I actually wrote a book. Um, called kinky sex tips for curious girls. And in the back of that, uh, because I do get asked after 50 shades of gray so much about slave contracts that I actually put an example slave contract in there. And it is basically like all of these things, like what are little rules you can put into effect? And like, you know, what are names? What are off times? How are you going to signify like when the game is starting and when it's ending? And like all of these things to think about. So yeah, uh, we do create our own rules and our own etiquette, and it can be very intimidating walking into a play party and seeing people, you know, in, in high protocol situations where they're inflicting their protocol. Um, I'm medium protocol, obviously. obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, and and people think that that's it. That's how they're supposed to be. If they're going to be kinky. I've actually had femme women ask me like, you know, my partner says that I'm not really submissive because I won't do X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Like you need to find a new partner because you're submissive. You're not a doormat. Um, if you're not okay doing X, Y, or Z, like that's your prerogative. You don't have to be okay doing that. There is no one way. I said I was going to follow up and I'm going to follow up on something you talked about earlier, the patriarchy, (laughs) the original tagline of the show is with questions asked by a guy. And the funny thing was as I went along this journey and all these interviews, I discovered that my male identity didn't fit. Mm-hmm. I discovered that the things that the patriarchy believes in, the things that guys are supposed to be, are things that I could not believe in. The patriarchy is not the males. It's not men in general. The patriarchy is a system and the system needs to be dismantled because it is not good for anybody. It's not good for the women. It's not good for the queers. And it's certainly not good for men either. It robs you of things like being able to express emotion, being able to enjoy sensations and being able to be, you know, full parents. It robs you of so much. Do you know how many over the last 20 something years, how many men I've seen who didn't realize their nipples were erogenous zones? And I would think, I mean, do you not explore your own body? But it still happens to this day because in their brains, in their little lizard brain, they have been trained by porn and society and everything else that nipples are erotic on women. On femmes, they're 
but on men, they're just not. Unless you want to be tortured. <sighs> like, the patriarchy is not good for anybody. Yeah. Why do we keep falling back into it? Because there are certain people that benefit from it and they mm -hmm. don't realize what they're losing from it. And usually those people are rich, those people are white, and those people are able to hire people like me <laughs> to live their deviant life that they are, you know, missing out on because they can't live that in, you know, their day-to-day -day life. You know, these are people that fetishize things like vacuuming my dungeon because that's such a dirty, lowly job that only a femme could do. So dress me up and make me do it. To me, the most beautiful part of kink is the part where you elevate somebody to some Thing that they've never imagined they could be it's like not about it's it's about <laughs> elevating somebody to be something that they never thought they could be when and you talk about two of the things that are headlined in your in your particular website about emasculation and sissification mm -hmm. sometimes men have to open up to see that side of them so they can understand their complete selves yeah. because they were, as you said, they were taught to be a certain way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, um, feminism is a tricky, uh, feminization is, and sissification is a tricky one because in a way these people are coming to me and being like, I want to be dressed up like with a woman because that's the most humiliating thing I can think of. Mm. Um, I don't actually see those people and um, I don't think that dressing you up like a woman, I'm, ah. there are a lot of reasons to be dressed up. And uh, sometimes it is about bringing those people into the fold by having them come in and realizing these are all the things that you're missing out in your real life in your outside life because the dungeon is your real life when you're with me um <laughs> but in your outside life these are the things like think about it like why is this humiliating to you why is this why do you feel like that I also like to make clear that they're not actually a woman they're not actually a real man they've never passed as a woman they're just some other gender yeah but yeah that gets to be a sticky one that's why part of the name of the show is and other wonderful humans it doesn't <laughs> matter what gender you are or orientation you are if you are a beautiful human and a wonderful human it's what you want too yeah yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the playground of Princessa Natasha. 
I saw that playground and it's just, uh, it just makes me happy. <laughs> More with Princess and Natasha Strange when we come back and I'll still be happy when we do. <laughs> <laughs> You all know I love my cat suits, and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing Winter Fetish. I've had some of them for 10 years, and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC, with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Lord, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on what women and other wonderful humans want. Have you ever wondered how the owl was put in meow? Well, it's the infamous kitten with a whip, Princess Natasha Strange, joining us on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. How did the kitten with a whip thing come about? Oh, gosh. Um, I, you know, put a whole lot of thought into my marketing I didn't I really I didn't um, <laughs> and uh, I knew that I was uh, my original name when I first started as a pro dom was uh, Natasha the cat 
um, and I used to do because I modeled for graphic novels and I used to see a lot of like I uh, was the queen of the nerdy folk so um, I just you know and then it became the kitten with a whip and yeah this thing called the internet was just starting out and I was mm -hmm. like oh I wonder if yeah if I'm gonna get a URL um, and kitten with a whip was available um and so it just stuck <laughs> i uh have always been the kitten with a whip um i'm more of a cougar with a whip at this point now that i'm in my 50s <laughs> um, <laughs> it just doesn't roll off a tongue quite as easily oh, hold on a minute i would have never guessed that you don't have almost 30 years of proton experience. <laughs> if you this is like, true. Let's start. Math was never my strong point. <laughs> I love it because the fact that you and I are contemporaries. I know. You're talking about Batman. I was like, yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're talking my language. <laughs> However, my language hasn't included in my kink life diapers, <gasps> which is something that you apparently love. I do. I do. Um, and here's why. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, Love It or Hate It, brought uh, language to so many people. It brought uh, thigh-high boots to Macy's. Um, it just opened up so much. And it's so cool to be into slave contracts and bondage and, like, talk about your slave collar and, you know, flogging. Um, so where is the queen of taboo supposed to go when all of this is not as taboo anymore? And that is diapers. <laughs> um, I've always been into sissification and emasculation, cross-dressing. Um, I've always been into exploring that. And I think part of that was because when I started out, like, there wasn't a whole lot of people also. Like, everybody was heading into, like, leather and more leather <laughs> great but i was like uh i read pat califia's um macho sluts which was just gender bending fuckery and was like that that is me that right there um and so out of that evolved my love of diapers and it's diaper humiliation i do some age play but I'm not into like turning you into my little baby and, you know, having you suckle at my breast. Like, let's leave my body out of this. Um, I am all about turning my attentions to you. So you got to think about it. The first woman you were in love with, afraid of, the first woman you ever tried with all of your little heart to impress and felt heartbroken when you did something as your mother. So we all have these complicated feelings about mothers. 
So I embrace that archetype. Um, I'm also just a maternal person. Um, so there's that. I also very, very much like humiliation. So when you combine that, like, where are you going to go? But diaper play and diaper play, you know, you think about that, like your very, very first thing, like you learn to walk, you learn to crawl, you learn to use the toilet. So when your ability to use the toilet is taken away from you, that base instinct, like, I don't know who out there is into NR play, but one of the cruelest things you can do when somebody is holding a huge enema and they just have to let it go and their whole body is screaming with all its might is make them sit down on the toilet and hold it. Because as soon as your ass hits cold porcelain in that situation, your lizard brain is just like, let it go. <laughs> But your mistress is standing there in front of you or your mother or your princessa is my honorific standing in front of you going, no, you can't. I don't want you to. You're not going to. You're going to hold it for me. You know, those those are those base instincts that I like to play with and fuck with. Um, so like having somebody wear a diaper you know, it, it can be near impossible when somebody first puts a diaper on, if they are put in a diaper and it's not their thing and I'm just doing it for humiliation and taking it away, to lay on your back in your bed and pee as an adult. So if uh, you get to the point where you've been drinking water all day and you're in bed and you're sitting there with pretty sexy princessa perched on your chest telling you that I'm going to keep, you know, torturing your nipples or like what have you until you wet your diaper. It can be a fun little mind fuck. It can also be a fun little mind fuck to send somebody out. I love the like putting a suppository in them and like making them take a nice walk outside because that like horror of where you're going to be what's going to be going on when that suppository hits and you lose absolute control of your bodily functions. So it's not all about age play. It's not all about like, you know, look at this cute little alphabet block we're going to play with. No, it's something much more devious than that. And like, you know, ah, diaper play. Um, I just actually did, uh, I went to Disneyland with one of my babies. Um, Disneyland is such a fun place to do public play because everybody is paying a huge amount of money to go. They're exhausted. Their kids are running in every direction and frantic and nobody has slept. Everybody's high on sugar and carbohydrates you're hemorrhaging cash. So you're paying attention to your own people and your own self and trying to figure out where that last kid went, who's, what ride you're gonna ride next. And you know, which character, what family arguments going on. So very few people noticed 
this full-grown man wearing a snap crotch toddler outfit and a Mickey Mouse backpack and not one, but layered two fat, fluffy diapers that just really made it stand out. People are just so into their own thing. Wow. So. And the other thing is that there are so many people doing their own thing and so many people with different needs and different abilities um, that sitting quietly in the corner and putting a bib on somebody and feeding them is just, you know, people are going to stare, but they're like, you know, why is that person, you know, they just think they have other things to think about, even if it mentally connects with that, like, they're just like, okay, that's weird. Yoda, <laughs> you know, or like <laughs> whatever else they're doing. So, the happiest place on earth, or in that case, the nappiest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know if I could ever get my mind around that, but he, that was the most amazing explanation where I can at least comprehend why it means something. And that's why I love doing this show. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if I've ever done something or I've ever considered something, but to hear the explanation of what goes on in the mind is the most beautiful gift I have from this show. So thank you. You're welcome. I mean, and there's a lot of reasons that people get into diapers and I, I can and have done whole entire shows with uh, people about diapers. Um, you know, the, sometimes it's a security thing. It is, you know, the being reverted back to you know feeling like they're a child, um, being able to relive in a better or re-embrace a situation gone by. Um, so there's a, a ton of reasons to be into diapers so 30 years as a pro dom i'm sure there have been highs and lows definitely but what is the one thing that is on your bucket list that you still want to do oh um Especially now that the pandemic's over, I want to tour more and go play with other doms that have been in the scene this long. You know, I want to go see other people's dungeons and especially people that are into like a lot of heavy leather bondage or, you know, Amanda Wildfire comes to mind. Um, I don't know. I want to do there's just you know and then with technology there's the never ending i just bought uh the stroker thing that oh, i can't remember the name of it oh no um we'll call it the orgasmatron uh, basically it's an inflatable butt plug and a vibrating sleeve and a little raspberry pi i think it is that controls the two of them and so if it feels any kind of fluctuation in your uh anus like you're getting those pre-orgasmic spasms it shuts the vibrator down first. oh 
Um, so, you know, there's technology just keeps offering me new things to play with. Um, I haven't, I just got it. I haven't uh, figured that out yet. Um, I'm also a client just brought me, um, cause I've wanted to make content more than educational content, which I make, mm-hmm. um, occasionally. And a client just bought me a 3d camera, a, a VR camera. So I'm going to be making some VR porn, basically. <laughs> um, so, you know, it'd be fun to go tour around and do little 3D or VR uh, tours with other people in their dungeons. And yeah, so there's just, I mean, you mix and match and like, this is never ending. And, you know, it's, there's, there's no end in sight. And the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. I have really enjoyed (laughs) meeting with you and talking with you and hearing such amazing perspectives on this beautiful world we live in. I very much thank you, Princessa Natasha Strange. Thank you so much for having me. So it's been lovely. I always love to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Eccentric is the word I would use for Princessa, and after the podcast, she took me on a virtual tour of her dungeon. Needless to say, my dreams took off, as she has so many interesting things in it to tantalize and tease, and make you just uncomfortable enough. I just love her spirit. Here's what's coming up on the next edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, Presented by Dating Kinky. We'll bring you a show taped at FetishCon with members of The Swinky Life, featuring the hosts of the popular podcast, The Accidental Swingers. The four panelists present their views of life at the intersection of swinging and kink. We talk about the concepts and misconceptions that each lifestyle has of the other and how these two communities can come together to discover amazing times together. A new edition of the show premieres next Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.